with this gift, there's also a problem. There's a problem. Our emotions, yeah, they are a good gift from God, but like all the other good gifts that God has given us, our emotions are greatly affected by sin. Let's never think that just because we feel something that makes it right. We should never, we should never allow that. You know, the book of Jeremiah, I don't have this verse up there, but the book of Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all else. Who can know it? And then it goes on and it says, but I, the Lord, I test the heart. God knows our hearts. So we gotta bring our emotions to God. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Proverbs 29, verse 11. All right, Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool gives vent, full vent, to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. I don't know about you guys, but just like the past couple minutes and how awkward they felt, you sitting there watching me open my computer, that's like this year, okay? This whole year has been so uh, confusing because life is confusing. Can I get an amen for that? Life is so confusing, right? Um, and that's one of the beauties of what we're studying in Proverbs. You know, the Bible's filled with moral laws. You, you read it, right? The, probably the most famous, 10 most famous ones are the 10 commandments given by Moses. But the truth is, in life, some situations that are thrown our way, the Ten Commandments don't directly apply to the decision we have to make about what college to go to, or who to marry, or should I get an iced caramel macchiato, or an Americano, you know, like these awesome decisions, you know, they're those gray areas of life. What we need is wisdom, and that's where God's wisdom plays in. And I think one of, the, one of these subjects, one of the subjects that is probably the most confusing in finding wisdom in is emotions, all right? Um, in the early 2000s, one of my favorite bands um, was the band Reliant K. I'm gonna hear it from Jonah. There it is right there. He loves it too. They wrote this song in the early 2000s, all right? They're a punk alternative band. They wrote a song called Mood Rings, all right? And this song was about this guy's frustration with trying to understand emotional women, all right? And he jokingly plans to use mood rings to give to emotional girls so that way he can tell what emotion they're in so he can know how to better communicate with them, all right? And once you listen to some of these lyrics, they're pretty funny. So he, he writes in the song and he says, her moods are swinging on the swing set almost every day. She said to me that she's so happy, it's depressing. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? <laughs> I'm so happy, it's depressing. And all I said was, someone get that girl a mood ring. And the song goes on to say, he says, we all know those girls that I'm talking about. She liked you Wednesday, but now it's Friday, and she has to wash her hair. And it figures that we'll never figure them out. First she's Jekyll, and then she's Hyde. At least she makes a lovely pair. And, you know, emotions. Everybody has been struggling to understand them. Maybe you are. You, we all, if we're here in this college-age group, we went through high school. You don't have to raise your hand. We all went through a weird period of high school trying to figure out, understand what emotions mean. I mean, high school does weird things to you. It did weird things to me when I went to high school. We have a picture of Andrew Newman. This was public, okay? 
of what emotions were going on in his high school years. And so, why don't we look at that? How odd. I didn't steal it. It was, it was on your Instagram, okay? You wanted the world to see this. All right? I don't know what, is that, what emotion would you say that? Surprise. <laughs> emotions, it, they do some weird things to you. Okay, this next picture is me in high school. I'm like super, ski- yeah, just like, I, I'm not even wearing a beanie. Like it's like half on my head. It's, it's just, I'm wearing Toms. Does anybody remember Toms? <laughs> yeah, you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, so for most of us, you probably would agree and say, um, high school was a very emotional roller coaster. It was interesting, you know? Maybe, you know, and the truth is all of us handle emotions differently. Some of us, we suppress them. Um, whenever we feel something, we want to bury it, don't want to show it, we kill it, we ignore those feelings. Well, on the other side, maybe some of us, we serve our emotions. Instead, we don't ignore them or quiet them, but instead we obey them. We do whatever our emotions are, we wear our hearts on our sleeve, and however we're feeling that affects our day and those who hang out with us that day. They have overwhelming power in our lives, even in making decisions. Our emotions are powerful things. And so we either fall into those two pitfalls, right? One, we believe that emotions are everything, and thus we embrace it all, everything that we feel. Or two, the other pitfall, we believe that they're nothing, and we suppress everything that we feel. It really does sound like like the guy from Reliant K was saying, you know, it doesn't just talk to women, you know, guys feel like that too. But it does sound like a terrifying dance between Jekyll and Hyde, in your life, you know, of like, what do I do? Do I hide them? Do I just serve them? You know, but the beauty of the gospel is that it enables us to do neither of those, neither of those two options. Instead, what the gospel does, and listen to this, the gospel enables us instead to steward our emotions. And that's what we're going to look at today. What does it mean to steward our emotions? Not suppressing them, not serving them, but steward, to manage like a caretaker of our emotions, That's why Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, and that's why he instructs us to do. You know, emotions shouldn't just be blindly obeyed or blindly ignored. We should engage our emotions. But what does it look like for us today to really do that, to understand our emotions? Another question, why why does this radically affect my maturity in Christ? And why is this even important to being a Christian? Why does this matter? Maybe some of you are like, really? Why why are we having a Bible study on this? And the reason why is because it matters because it means that you don't have to eat your way through an entire gallon of Ben and Jerry's ice cream just to get out of the funk that you're in. Or you don't have to drown your feelings in binge-watching Netflix shows of documentaries just because you had a bad day. You know, some of us maybe do both of those things at the same time. We got Ben and Jerry's in one hand and Netflix going on at the same time. And the truth is, we all have different mechanisms with how we deal with our emotions. Both men and women. Okay, guys, I'm not just talking to girls here. But there's good news for us. You don't have to smear all of your emotions on Instagram to figure them out. Okay, please don't. I would advise you to do the opposite. Let that, let that sink in, okay? Instagram is not meant to be your canvas of your emotions and just however you're feeling, just up and down, because you will take your followers on a wild ride. 
<laughs> but instead, what we need to do is be careful not to ignore them. Be aware that what we feel, sometimes what we feel, it opens up areas in our life, questions that in reality, I can, I can say this from like a guy's perspective, sometimes I would rather ignore that feeling. I'd rather kick it under the rug and just ignore it because it opens up deep things within us. For some of us, it's safer not to feel anything. So we choose to do that. But a, f- a failure to feel leaves us barren and distant from God and from others. We don't have to be the victim of our emotions or the lack of them, but instead, what we're going to find out today is as a Christian, we can rely on God's power through the Holy Spirit to learn, like I said, to steward them. So what does that look like, stewarding our emotions? There's going to be three things we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the gift, the guidance, and the goal of our emotions, okay? First of all, the gift, okay? We all need to understand emotions, they're a gift, okay? They're a gift, believe it or not. You know, this is a true story, all right? I remember one day, me and Emma being married with with our our baby boy last year, you know, and it was about May, I think, or June, somewhere around the early summer time, and I woke up one morning, and Emma was already up with Judd before I was awake, and, uh, you know, I kind of got up and, like, you know what, I'm not a morning person, okay? I don't know about you. Maybe your emotions thrive in the morning. I'm not that at all. I need, like, coffee in, like, a couple hours. So it makes first service here at church when we used to do that so difficult, you know? <laughs> like trying to smile and lead worship when you're hurting inside. Um, so I woke up this morning feeling grumpy, like, ah, just like, ah. And I wake up, and if you know me, sometimes I can be a little bit of a, I can be a little bit, like, micromanager and just, perfectionist, Emma's smiling because she knows, and I saw some paint on the table and like a mess on the table, and I was like, and she was off doing that, and I was like, babe, why is there paint and a mess on the table? And I got like frustrated at her, like, why don't you clean this up? Like, why, why would you leave this overnight? Like, she's oh, this, and like, she was like, oh, you know, and she was like trying to like vaguely describe to me like what, and later on, I would find out that weekend <laughs> that she was helping Judd make a first Father's Day photo frame for me. <laughs> and so, you know, right? You remember that? Yeah, I was like, I was getting all mad about it. And, like, and some of us, we view our emotions like that. They're meant to be a gift, but we see them as a mess, an inconvenience in our life, unnecessary. But as it turns out, like I said, they're a gift. God created us to feel. In fact, God himself, he is emotional. And that might sound strange to some of you because our terminology with the word emotional, we use that kind of differently, right? We sometimes think when we say, oh, you're being emotional, and we kind of use it in the sense of like you're being controlled by your emotions, overly controlled, overreacting. And that's not what it necessarily means. I'm not saying that God is emo, okay? (laughs) What I am saying, though, is that scripture shows us that God describes himself in the word, not my opinion, in God's word, describes himself with astounding emotion. I mean, just look at the gospels. Look at Jesus, God incarnated into flesh. Jesus, he was grieved over sin. He rejoiced with the good that he saw. He was angered by unbelief. He was delighted when he saw faith. He wept when there was death. 
and he had compassion on those who were in need. I mean, even if you look at John 15, 11, I have the scripture verse up here. Jesus tells us the reason why he came, and he said that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Joy is an emotion. God, one of Jesus' main reasons was to fulfill our joy, to let us live in full joy, to live the life we were intended to live. And so we see that Jesus didn't come to remove our emotions, but to renew our emotions, to renew them. And we need to understand that. True, mature Christianity, like being a mature Christian, doesn't mean that you're stripped of all your emotions and you're just like this robot that walks around and you're just like, God is good all the time. I cannot feel anything. You know, like he's good and you just never shed a tear. You know, you're like that guy from Cloudy, the Chance of Meatballs. He cries, he's like, get back in there. And his tear like crawls back into his eye. Like, <laughs> we're not called to be that as mature Christians. I mean, if God describes himself with emotion, why wouldn't we carry emotion? Because emotions essentially are the way that we as humans bear God's image. You look at Genesis 1, it says that God made man and woman in his image. Every one of us in here today, we bear the image of God. God, we see, right, in the scripture, he's an emotional God. He's full of emotion. He made us the same way. You read it all throughout the Bible even, I mean, look at the Psalms. Look at David. One Psalm, he's like praising God. He's like, God, you're so good. Thanks for being awesome in my life. And then like the next Psalm, he's like, where are you, God? I'm alone. Woe is me. And he's so depressed. And you see like this honest, real journal of a guy who said, who God calls him a man after his own heart. We were created with emotion. And so emotions, they are a gift. They really are, you know? Imagine having a life without them for a second. Imagine what life would be like. How depressing that would be. Unable to respond to the sorrow of a loved one passing away. Unable to feel the love of a friend or a significant other or the joy of a good meal shared with friends. Man, imagine a world devoid of emotions. It would be terrible. So understand that. We're all emotional. Yes, even us dudes sitting here today. And if you don't believe me, guys, what? Go to a football game. If you don't believe that guys are emotional, watch them watch sports. UFC, it could be manly even, all right? In my house, when the Dallas Cowboys are playing football, it gets loud, okay? Judd gets into it. My dog gets into it. <laughs> it's loud. It's emotional. Go to any sporting event. Guys, we're, we carry emotion as well. And girls, I don't need to say it, but I will. The Hallmark Channel, right? is <laughs> made for you. <laughs> both men and women, we're both created emotional. We just experience it. We also express it differently. But we see that with this gift, there's also a problem. There's a problem. Our emotions, yeah, they are a good gift from God, but like all the other good gifts that God has given us, our emotions are greatly affected by sin. Like every good gift God has given us, sin has tainted even some of the best, like our emotions. It distorted our entire being. And so sin causes us to overfeel, to overreact, or to underfeel, to not let anyone in. You're shut off. You, you close it off. 
I don't want to feel. You know, Proverbs talks about this, how it, emotions will even, because of sin, it'll affect your body, your soul. It, it says in Proverbs 14.30, and I have it in the Christian Standard Version, it says, a tranquil heart is life to the body, but jealousy is rottenness to the bones. Sin affects who you are. It, it affects the balance between your thinking and your feeling. And it's toxic to even influence the way that you make decisions emotionally. You know, sin and even, I would even say sin and Satan, they both have access to our emotions. That's why we have to be very discerning and careful with what we feel. Because Satan will try to manipulate your emotions to draw you away from God, to cause you to sin, to cause you to overeat that Ben and Jerry's ice cream, maybe, you know, or send that text message that you're like, I'm going to send it. And your friend's like, don't, don't send it. And you're like, I'm going to, and you send it. And you're like, you know, you're like, I did it because I feel this way and it feels good. You know, like we have to be careful. We really do. But all in all, we can't fully just blame our emotions for every decision that happens, every bad decision, you know. So often we say, oh, right, we say this. We say, I'm sorry, I let my emotions get the best of me. That's wrong. Instead, we should be saying, I'm sorry, I let sin get the best of me. Because in reality, we all have a free will, free choice to do and make these decisions. And you know what's really interesting is, and I found this out when I was studying for this, is that that weakness, that flaw, our foolishness, the New Testament calls it desire. When we go after our own emotional desire. Look what James chapter 1 has to say about um, this. It says in James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, it says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? His own desire. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. And so that word for desire, it's like an emo emotion in overdrive. Okay, it's like full pedal to the metal in your emotions. And what it does is it has the power to create death within us, to cause us, like this verse says, to fall into temptation, to give in to sin and to let sin linger and grow until it produces death within us. Let's never think that just because we feel something that makes it right. We should never, we should never allow that. You know, the book of Jeremiah, I don't have this verse up there, but the book of Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all else. Who can know it? And then it goes on and it says, but I, the Lord, I test the heart. God knows our hearts. So we got to bring our emotions to God. But like I said, you know, the gospel remedy, it's not not feeling, it's not having zero emotion you know, if the beauty of the gospel is that if Christ finds us as emotional jungles, he doesn't just t turn us into emotional deserts after he saves you and you're just like this robot, like I was saying. But instead, he cultivates us into emotional gardens where something, fruit is born out of it. Goodness is born out of it with life, color, order, where our, our drivenness and our compulsiveness are redeemed into a holy and a beautiful freedom and intensity. That's gospel emotion that Jesus gives us by grace. And I would say today, maybe if that's you, you're out of control inside. Or maybe you're the opposite. You're dead inside. Give yourself to Christ today. 
His heart is open to you. That's the beauty of the gospel. He doesn't reject anyone that comes to him. Come to him. You know, a helpful way to kind of think about this, also with our emotions as we talk about this, is our emotions are meant to be a gauge, not a guide in our life, okay? Emotions are meant to be a gauge, not a guide. They're meant to report to you, not to dictate you where you go. It's like, like this. Think of it, right? We all drive cars, and you have that dashboard, and when you're driving, and a light, a gauge light pops up, and it tells you, you know, low oil, oil's low, what should you do? Change your oil, right? You should, you should react according to what that gauge is telling you. We're meant to pay attention to those gauges because those gauges, what they do is they alert us of what's happening inside, inside the car and how the car's running. Gauges aren't meant to tell you whether to turn left, turn right, or to stay longer on your camping trip in Yosemite, okay? Gauges aren't meant to do that. They're meant to alarm you on what's happening inside the car and in many ways, our emotions, they're like that, all right? They're like these flags, these flares that your soul sends off, never meant to guide you, but to tell you this is what's happening inside of you, all right? Imagine this, okay? Imagine this, like for example, you're driving down the five, and as you're driving, your dashboard lights up, and you read these gauges, low oil, engine overheating, tire pressure is extremely low. And you're, you're like, man, these stupid lights won't stop blinking, you know? Kind of like that seatbelt one. Anyone get annoyed by that beep? You know, something like that. And you're like, oh, and you get so annoyed, you just pull, you reach under, you pull the fuse out, you just yank it out. And you're like, ah, oh, finally, some peace and quiet so I can listen to, I don't know, John Mayer or whatever you listen to when you're driving. You know, you're like, yeah, finally. What's going to happen to your car? It's going to run down, okay? It's going to overheat, explode. Bad things are going to happen to your car, all right? And that's a picture of some of us who feel an emotion inside. And we, t we tell it, die. No, I can't feel that. You know, no emotions, straight face. I never get, you know, that's, that's what it's like. We're pulling that fuse out. We're not acting on what it's telling us, what it's showing within us. We overreact. Or maybe we're on the other side and you're like on the other side. You see a light, any light pop up and you overreact. You pull your car over to the side, you get out, you say, that's it, I'm walking. I can't trust this machine. You know, maybe you're the opposite. You're like, you're like, I'm just, I can't, I just, you know, though that as well isn't good. Our emotions gauge us. They're not meant to guide us. And yeah, we mess up while trying to figure this out. That's, it's true. But the good news is that sin does not have the final word in the life of anyone who puts their faith in Jesus. Jesus came to save us, every part of us to redeem your thoughts, your bodies, and even your emotions, which leads us to our second part. So there's the gift of emotions, and next, the guidance of emotions. And so we know, right, our emotions, they need guidance. There should be something we should do when we see those flares come up, those um, lights come up. You know, God who gives us the gift of emotions, he also gives us the grace to renew those things. So this is what, we should do? How do we guide them? This is, this is, this is what's going to help us, okay? And I learned this this week, and like, I was talking to Andrew about it, and I was like, dude, I don't know if this is biblical. <laughs> I was like reading this, I was like kind of bouncing it off, off, we're bouncing it off each other. We do this a lot, okay? We're like, is this heresy? Is this, you know, <laughs> you know? It's good to have a friend like that in your life that you can kind of test, you know? Thank you for being that for me, Andrew. But 
we're gonna, as the more I study this, and um, just trust me on this, it's, it's totally biblical. It's something that we're going to see even Jesus did in his life. Um, and so this is how we guide our emotions. Three steps. This is three things we do. First of all, we feel them. Second, we name them. And third, we bring them to the truth. Feel them, name them, bring them to the truth. And this is what I mean by those. First of all, feel it. This one's difficult for some of us because we live in a life where it's so easy to embrace the positive emotions and suppress the negative ones. We choose, we choose to ignore those negative ones. You know, your life is just all chipper and you're like, ha, life is great. And then like somebody tells you, oh, did you know, like, I think somebody like broke into your car and like, and you're like, no bad days. And your eyes like twitching, <laughs> like I must constantly be happy, you know, like we're, we're not meant to do that, to suppress those negative ones. All, listen to this. All emotions are good in their proper place. All emotions are good in their proper place. We shouldn't feel happy when a loved one is in pain. You know, some of us were like, ha, you know, like we shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't rejoice in that. Well, at the same time, we should feel fear when a car almost hits us. Like those are natural, good emotions. Sometimes it's good to feel bad, all right? Sometimes it's good to feel bad, and sometimes it's bad to feel good. Certain areas, situations in life, you know, and when we feel those strong emotions, you know, let, let me say this. It's so easy for us, especially in the, in the generation that we live right now and, and just the culture that we live in, it's so easy for us to do what? When we feel something serious and we want to avoid it, we go to our phone. We're like, oh, I'm just going to scroll on Instagram. I'm just going to distract myself from the responsibility of dealing with these inward deep things. You know, the moment you feel guilt, shame, or anger, you rely on scrolling on Instagram and it leads you down rabbit trails of watching people shaving soap. And you're like, why is this so oddly satisfying? If you don't believe me, maybe you'll look it up afterwards. Or maybe it leads you down some rabbit trail of like some, some conspiracy theory about raiding Area 51. And you're like, oh my gosh, what is that? You know, like, that was a while back. Sorry, that wasn't relevant. Sorry, guys. Um, but we live in a culture that, like I was saying, that makes it extremely easy for you to not deal with what is happening inside of you. When God is saying, don't unplug that fuse, engage it, steward it, feel it, okay? First one, feel it. Allow yourself to feel it. Secondly, like I said, name it. Call it for what it is. This is where we need to have clarity. We need to ask ourselves, what am I feeling right now? What is this? What, that sounds like super, <laughs> what is this emotion that is stirring outside of me? You know, it sounds super, I don't know. Feel it, name it, call it out. You know, you know what's really interesting about the Bible? The Bible isn't vague with emotions. Like it vividly calls out emotions. It names them. It's not like vague, you know, like some weird poet. It's like it calls them out and it describes them. And lastly, we bring it to the truth. So we feel it, allow yourself to feel it. Name it. Call it for what it is. What am I feeling? I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling jealous. I'm feeling bitter. Bring it to the truth. This is probably the most important thing right here. Bring it to the truth. Because like, I, like, we, show, like we showed you those pictures of me and Andrew in high school. Our emotions are roller coasters. Thank God that we do not look like that still today. <laughs> Thank God. There is a God. <laughs> In our ever-changing, roller coaster like emotions, our, our emotional state 
We need timeless, steady, rock-solid truth. We feel love, joy, happiness, guilt, anger, disappointment, fear, etc. And sometimes our emotions are pleasant to experience and sometimes they're not. Remember, these emotions are not a command for us to follow, but an invitation to us. Don't serve them. Don't suppress them. Bring those raw feelings to the light of God's word. Bring them to the word. Bring them to God's word. Getting Because what this does is like James would go on to say, it says it's like a mirror that shows you what you were really like. The beauty of a mirror is it doesn't flatter you, okay? An honest mirror. It doesn't flatter you. It tells you the truth. You wake up in the morning after you've been you know, serving as a camp counselor for junior high and you haven't showered in like three days and you've gone on the blob in the lake like twice, you know, and all this stuff, doing mud pit games. You finally go home and you look in the mirror and you're like, I look disgusting. (laughs) The mirror's honest. It calls out what is there. But when we bring it to the mirror, right, we have to obey what the mirror says. We can't just look into the mirror and leave and not and go unchanged. We need to look into the mirror of God's word and adjust our life to it. Adjust our emotions to it. Because the reality of our emotions is they reveal, like I was saying, something deeper within us. They really, emotions, they, they really reveal what we believe. They reveal to us what we really are putting our trust in. And sometimes what we put our trust in is false. And so our our emotions go wayward. You know, for example, maybe we falsely believe that God isn't in control. That's easy to believe right now, right? In 2020, you know, I was listening to a song. um, (laughs) I was listening to, it was actually a worship service. I think it was Passion 2020. And they did like this concert with Hillsong United. And they did this worship song leading up to like the countdown of 2020 from 2019 to and they're like, oh, and there's fireworks, and there's like at the Mercedes Stadium when you can actually be out, and like, everyone's like, yeah, 2020, and I'm watching this today, and I'm like, if you only knew, <laughs> just wait, <laughs> you ignorant people, <laughs> if you only knew what 2020 had in store, <laughs> but maybe some of us, we, it's easy for us to feel, right, for example, like God is in control, isn't in control in the circumstances in our life. And we experience emotions because of that. We fear. We get angry. We go to despair because of that false belief. And, it, you know, and that false belief isn't necessarily like, I forsake you, God. Like, I don't believe you're God anymore. It's not that concrete of a false belief. It's more of like, a, like functionally how you live your life out. That you don't believe that he really sees what you're going through. You don't believe that he cares about you just as much as the other person. You know, emotions, they are powerful. And I'll say this too, they are real, okay? Some of us in here, maybe we struggle with this more than the person next to us. And you're like, is there hope? And I want to let you know today, your emotions, you're feeling, hey, they're powerful and they're real, okay? God made, made it that way. But emotions can be helpful indicators of what's happening in our heart. Bring it to the truth, your emotion to the truth. Let God's truth reveal sometimes the lies that you root your life in. You know, sometimes you build your life upon false lies like that. Like, God doesn't care. 
He's not in control of what's happening. That's false. God does care. He is working all things together for our good. Remember, let your emotions gauge, not guide. And the important thing about that is that when you see those lights pop up, in a sense, like, as, like that car reference, it shows you where to make that attack with the word of God. All right, I'm dealing with this emotion. Let me bring God's word to it. And so to kind of close out this, this, second, this second one, we're going to look at three, just real, really quick, three quick emotions and how do we apply that three-step? Feel it, name it, bring it to God's word, okay? We're going to look at three emotions, anger, jealousy, and fear, all right? Anger. What do we do with our anger when we feel angry? What does Proverbs have to say about that? Well, Proverbs 16, verse 32 says this, says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. All right, so we apply that same three steps to this emotion of anger. Feel it, name it, bring it to the truth. So first thing, we feel it. Allow yourself to feel it. That's okay. Allow yourself to feel it. Proverbs, look at what it says, right? It says, slow to anger. Be slow to anger, which reveals to us what the rest of the Bible tells us, that not all anger is wrong, all right? Not all anger is wrong. There is a right kind of anger rooted in justice, rooted in love, you know? Like, if any one of your family you came home today and your, one of your family members told you that they were threatened, their life was threatened by someone else. It is good and right for you to feel angry about that. If you were to go home, find out your sibling like just got beat up or was threatened, like, and you're like, feel angry, that's good. You should feel, there should feel um, that good anger, that justice within you. So allow yourself to feel it, name it, right? You ask yourself, what am I feeling? Anger. But so more often than not, most of our anger, right, it's not just anger. <laughs> it's rage. <laughs> it's wrath, the wrath of man, <laughs> you know. And so we, that's why the third point is so important. You got to take that and you got to bring it to God's word. Bring it to the truth. What does the Bible say about anger? And one thing that is clear in the Bible about anger is that it must be restrained. Anger must be restrained, right? We see it here in that verse. We want to throw that verse back up. Um, it says that he who, um, and he who rules his spirit better than he who takes a city. So don't allow your anger to lead to retaliation or to revenge. You know, you're, we're, we're not called to be God's instrument of wrath, all right? You know, they're just like, I am God's instrument of wrath, wielding it on all you deserving fools in this world. You're like, you know, you're cutting people off on the freeway. Ah, they deserved it. You know, ah, you know, like, and you're just like, you're just, that's just how you see yourself. You know, we're not called to like, be like, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you a slow, painful lesson in the justice of God. <laughs> you know, like, that's not what we're called to do. Understand your emotion in light of truth. And what that does is that keeps you from instantly reacting. So examine whether you're, listen to this right here, with, especially with anger. Examine whether you're angry at something that is truly evil and satanic and from Satan, or if you're just angry because someone wounded your ego. All right? There's a big difference between being angry at something that God is also angry at, that is evil, that is wicked, and 
There's a difference between that and being angry because someone wounded your ego, your pride, and got you. If you want to listen about pride, last week Andrew taught on pride. It was so good. You know, and, and I think that's true because anger is such a judging emotion, right? It leads you to believe that somebody has to pay. You know, you're like, somebody's got to pay for this. There must be justice. You're not Batman, okay? You're not the Dark Knight. <laughs> you're not justice, okay? <laughs> and what we do more often than not when we feel that anger, we either, thinking about that somebody has to pay, we either beat ourselves up, we say, I have to pay because of it, you beat yourself up, you wound yourself, or you turn to others and you beat them up and you turn it on them. But l- let me insert this right here. This is, how, this is where the gospel works, okay? Jesus says, nobody needs to pay because I paid. So when we deal with anger, we come to the word, we find Jesus paid. The person you're angry at, they'll either bear the judgment and the wrath of God by themselves when they die or they'll put their faith in Jesus who bore their judgment 2,000 years ago on a cross on Calvary. It's Hill. So bring our anger to that truth and remind ourselves, hey, I'm not called the judge. Jesus is the judge. I'm not the judge. So there's anger. Second one, jealousy. Proverbs 27.4 says, talks about this with jealousy. It says, wrath is cruel. Anger, like we talked about, it's overwhelming, but... Who can stand before jealousy? Have you ever had a friend that's like, or been with someone that's super jealous? You don't have to raise your hand, you know? And if you can't think of someone, it's probably you. I'm just joking. Um, You know, it's kind of funny. I was listening to the uh, pastor teaching this, and he quoted this author, and he said, this famous author, I can't remember what his name was, but this author, secular author, said, of all the seven deadly sins, envy is the one that is no fun at all. You know, nobody rejoices after spending a full weekend in envy. You're like, ah, my weekend was awesome. They're like, what did you do? I was jealous all weekend. You know, like, I mean, the other, others, you know, sin, like the Bible says, it has a momentary pleasure, but it leads to death. Envy is one, not one of those that has momentary pleasure. It leaves you sick and rotten, and it's the worst. Proverbs tells us it's worse than anger and wrath. And so we ask ourselves, you know, are we envious? Are we jealous? Are you ever envious when you see your friends succeed? Like when your, <laughs> when your coworker gets a raise and you've been working there longer than them. You're like, oh my or maybe one of your friends finds their soulmate when you've been praying for it longer than they have and they just got saved and they're getting married, you know, and you're like, do you even know this person? You know, like, you're like, so jealous. Deal with your jealousy, right? Feel it, name it, bring it to the truth. What does the Bible say about jealousy? Well, like anger, the Bible says that there's a good kind of jealousy and there's a bad kind of jealousy. And so we need to ask ourselves this question, am I jealous for something that belongs to me or am I jealous of something that does not belong to me? I mean, look at God. We see in Deuteronomy 4, verse 24, This is the New Living Translation. I like what it says. It says, the Lord your God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. I remember the first time I read that, I was like, say what? What? I could not understand that. I could not. And maybe some of you are like, Zach, I've never known that Bible verse before. Believe it or not, I think it was Oprah who heard it in a sermon once 
Um, and this one passage, hearing that, caused her to leave Orthodox Christianity because she's like, God can't be jealous of me, of people. How could God ever be like that? But we need to understand the meaning of what this is. God is not jealous of you. He is jealous for you. All right? He created you. You belong to him. And so good jealousy is found in that emotion when a husband sees a wife being wooed by another man. That's righteous jealousy right there. Sinful jealousy occurs when we're afraid that someone might be equal or superior or, 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 some, or anything like that. And when this says that God is a jealous God, you know, God, he's not like scared that you're going to find a better God than him. You know, he's not like thinking that like, please don't find a better God. Please, please don't, you know, like I'm, you know, he's not insecure that like you're going to find a better provider than him, you know, um, He isn't scared that you'll find a better God. He's only heartbroken that you'll settle for a false one. Because he loves you. You're his. That's why God is moved to jealousy and he expresses that emotion. His jealous love has no sin attached to it. But for us, so often sin does attach itself to that emotion. And if that gauge light of sinful jealousy maybe is blinking in your life today, repent. Repent. That's the beauty of being a Christian. We're not perfect, okay? It's okay to repent. It's okay to confess. None of us in here are perfect, even myself. We need God's grace every day. Repent of it. Realize that everything that you do have, you don't even deserve. It's God's good grace towards you. You know, so often jealousy causes us to think that we'll be forsaken or abandoned, but God says, no, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Who can be against you if I'm for you? And so lastly, last emotion, fear. We all struggle with this one. And look what Proverbs has to say about fear in Proverbs 9.10. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And then also look at Proverbs 28.1. says that the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as as a lion. Remember, emotions have good purposes, but our sinful nature steers them in wrong directions. That emotion of fear, maybe that you're feeling today, most fear that we feel, it's good, right? You should feel scared of driving your car on the wrong direction on I-5, okay, going into oncoming traffic. You should feel that fear. It's a good thing. Fear, at its base value, it motivates us to seek safety, Control and certainty, okay? In a moment of danger, fear is necessary to cause us to flee what will harm us. But so many, so often, sinfully, fear will cause us to contemplate this question. What if? What if? And then we often go to the extreme and think worst case scenario, right? When something hasn't even happened yet. How many of us struggle with that? With the decisions that we make? We think we dwell so much on the what-ifs and the worst-case scenarios. And while we do that, we write off God, that he's near, and that his presence is with us, and his help. Oh, it's out of the picture. Fear drives that away. Sinful fear. And the problem is, is that we fear, often, more often than not, we fear the wrong things. Or we fear the right thing in the wrong way. 
You know, we fear people's opinions, what they think about us, what we're wearing. And so instead, we choose to perform for them. We put on a a facade, a mask, and we choose to try to please them, hoping that one day they'll applaud us. But that's misguided fear. Redirect that fear to whom really matters most in your life. Feel it, right? It's okay to feel it. Name it. Call it for what it is. Bring it to the truth. What does God's word say about it? What is God's opinion about us? Maybe if that's what you're worried about. Well, Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18 says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. God's good thoughts of you are precious and they outnumber the sands of the sea. God loves you. He has given us Jesus who died on a cross so we could be forgiven of all of our sin. Through Jesus, we find true approval. Not the approval of our peers, but the the one that really matters, the approval of God because of what Jesus has done for us. So the only one that we truly need to fear, in a sense, is not the judgment of others, but to respect and to understand that God is the one whose opinion matters. And in Jesus, I'm found favorable. I'm found accepted. I'm loved despite what I've done. Jesus loves us. And we can stop fearing the judgment of others. You know, that, that um, proverb also goes on to say that last one, Proverbs 28, 1, I think it was, um, it says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know, when you have, when you gauge fear rightly, you don't esteem others like their opinion is what really matters in life, but instead you care about what God thinks. And when you care about what God thinks, nothing else matters in life. You could care less what people have to say about you. You could care less if they take away your job, if you lose friendships because of this, if you lose your car, even if you lose your life, because you will never lose the love of Jesus. Like Romans 8 says, that death nor life can separate you from the love that God has for you. The Christian can be bold as a lion because of what God has said about them and the, the, the approval that we have in him. He is our confidence. And so lastly, the goal of our emotions, and I'll close quick with this, guys. So our emotions are a gift, right? We need to guide them because we know that they're not always right. And our closing point is, is that they have a goal. And what's really interesting is when you look at the Latin word of what emotion means, it means to be moved, to move or be moved. And so emotions are meant to move us And so ask yourself when you're feeling an emotion, what is this emotion driving me towards? Because it's calling you more often than not to move towards something. And I would go to say that this is the goal right here of our emotions, is that they should always move us closer to God. Always move us closer to God. And that's a simple truth. Any emotion, not just the bad ones, the good ones. You could be sharing a meal with friends and you're like, this is so awesome. Yes! Finally, you know, maybe you haven't, you're on a diet too, and you're like, I haven't had a double-double In-N-Out burger with the toasted bun because it crunches, and it's just so, oh, and you're like, this is amazing. Like, I'm so joyful right now. Or maybe when you have a good cup of coffee, you know, amen, hallelujah to that, and you're like, bless God, bless God. (laughs) It should drive us towards him. 
That emotion should be a signpost pointing you towards God. But even the hard emotions, like the pain of heartbreak, of loss, that should lead you to a God who is near to the brokenhearted, who was even broken on the cross for you. So I ask you today, are the gauges on your dashboard blinking? What are they telling you? They're calling you closer to him. Take those emotions to God because your emotions do matter. Ultimately, they're an invitation from him to trust him. He's calling us to trust him. Allow the Holy Spirit to direct you. Remember, you know, this blew me away. Remember that a fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It's to control self. To not be over-emotional and be like, un- every time you have a bad day and you just blow everyone off and you're like, oh, eh, life is horrible and you just throw up on everyone and everyone's like, geez, man, what's her problem? Or his, oh man, you know, like, you know, like, not overreact to them or, or the opposite. Like I was saying, suppressing them. And you're like, hey, dude, God is so good, right? Church is here. And you're like, during worship, you're just like hands in your pocket. You're like, you know, just straight face. <laughs> you know, God, God calls us to be emotional, you know. Let the Holy Spirit control those, whether it's to, hey, I need to dim that down, bring that to the Lord. Or, hey, man, I need to let God revive that within me. I need to let God revive that godly emotion within me. And where we see this perfectly, guys, is in Jesus. This is where we see it perfectly. Jesus is our perfect model of what healthy emotional life looks like. Jesus, picture this. Jesus is in the garden, right? We've heard this story. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. He's with his 12 closest friends that he's known for three years. He's lived every day with them. All right, some of you have roommates and you're like, I can barely stand like a day with my roommate. <laughs> you know, but Je- so Jesus is with these guys and he loves them, right? He knows he's about to be crucified. He's praying, but his best friends are what? Asleep. Right before he's about to experience the most excruciating. Imagine that, man. The people that you counted on most failing you. And so Jesus is there. And look, what, how, look how Jesus models emotional health there in that picture. Matthew 26, verses 38 and, and 39. Is it not on there? Did I not? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's not on there because I told myself to tell you guys to turn there yourself. Turn to Matthew 26. Ha, you thought you guys were going to get it easy and get every verse on the screen? You need to, you need to know your Bible. Come on. Matthew 26, 39. Thanks, sorry, Joel. I didn't mean to throw that. (laughs) Chapter 26, verse 38, 39. I'm going to read this out of, I normally do ESV, extra spiritual version, okay? But um, I'm going to read this out of the NKJ because I really like the way that good old King Jimmy says this, okay? Matthew 26, 38. Look at this. It says, Jesus said, his letters are in red. So it says, he said to them, his disciples, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and he fell on his face and he prayed and said, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus is about to be crucified and is Jesus some stoic and just like, I I don't feel anything. It's just normal. No, no. He feels it, right? 
the, the, this verse tells us he was overwhelmed with exceeding sorrow, he says. He feels it. He names it. He calls it out. He says, I'm so sorrowful even unto death. Man, I don't know if, I don't know if any of us will ever experience that type of sorrow like Jesus did, knowing what was about to happen to him the next day. So he feels it. He names it. He doesn't pretend or ignore or push aside what he's feeling. And lastly, he brings all of these emotions and in prayer to the Father, he brings them to truth, right? And he says, Father, I'm feeling this way. If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but God, your will be done. Jesus wasn't controlled by his emotions, but he used emotional honesty and biblical integrity, both tears and truth. And that's how we need to handle our emotions. See, our emotions, they do matter. They do have purpose, but they do need discernment. We do need the Spirit of God to help us discern our emotions. They need to be brought to God because, listen, there's a greater truth than what you're feeling today. No matter what it is, there's a greater truth than that and that truth is found in the cross of Christ. God loves you so much. Proverbs 15:30 and I have this last one for you guys. You guys turn there. It says that the light the light of the eyes rejoices and the rejoices the heart and good news refreshes the bones. I don't know if you knew but gospel means good news. And that should refresh us. When you're feeling overwhelmed by your emotions or you're not even like, man, I don't feel anything. I've heard the gospel story again. And so, so often we can do that, right? As Christians, we can become so numb to the things that matter the most. We're like, ah, that's elementary. I know the cross. But the reality is like, man, may it never come to the point where we, where we hear the gospel and we aren't moved with emotion for what God has done for us by his great love for us. May it never come to us that it just wa like washes over us and we're like, been there, done that, read that. Like, no. Good news refreshes the bones. It should enlighten us, refresh us. And so the answer is not solving your trouble with emotions or finding out what personality type you are, what love language you are, or even what Enneagram number you might be. That's not the answer to discovering or growing in your emotions. The answer is the gospel. Look to Jesus. He met us in our weakest points with all our messed up emotions, not in our strongest. We come to Jesus as we are and he brings healing to us and that good news refreshes our bones. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for that truth, Lord, that you are with us, Lord, even, even in just the, the complexity that is our heart, God, and, and our emotions and, and what we deal with. And Lord, we do remind ourselves of the gospel tonight. We do remind ourselves, Lord, of what you did for us. God, of how you modeled and how, Jesus, you lived the perfect life. You lived the life that 
We should have lived, Lord. You became, as, as Paul would write, the second Adam, Lord. The one who would redeem that which the first one failed to do. Lord, even in your emotional health, God, you felt it all, called it out, Lord, but yet you brought it to truth. You brought it to, your, to the truth of who, who you are, Lord. Help us to do the same, Father. Help us not, God, to be Stoics, Lord. I pray that you would, for those of us in here, maybe, Lord, that need to be revived, Father, that need that Holy Spirit defibrillator, Lord, to just awaken us, Lord. Awaken our souls, God, to the reality of what it means to be a Christian, to love you well, to love others well. Lord, and, and I especially pray for those maybe that feel overwhelmed by their emotions, and it is a real battle for them. They struggle, and more often than not, they fail. I would just speak this word over you that Paul would say in, in, in Romans, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You might fail, you might fall into that, into your emotions. They might, they might guide you. But God still loves you. He is a good shepherd who chases the one down, leaves the 99 to follow after the one. Thank you, God. Thank you so much for what you did for us. And so I just pray, Lord, that as we close tonight in worship, Lord, that you would emotionally renew us, Lord our spirits. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts. Help us to just repent of the things maybe that we've been holding on to and to cling to truth, God. We pray this in your name. Amen.